more points online. We are honored that you're joining us today. And if God is using this ministry to change your life, please let us know at fourpoints.org slash my story. It's because of your generosity that we are able to expand the kingdom. And if you would like to give and be a part of what God is doing, then visit fourpoints.org and select the safe and secure option, or you can download our app and choose to get there as well. We are so excited to hear a powerful message from God's Word today. I just need to tell y'all that I love to preach. I don't know if y'all know that I love to preach, but I love to preach. I, I absolutely love it. And so I don't look for opportunities not to preach. I look for opportunities to bring the word. And so in my times of prayer, I don't, I don't seek out, Lord, how can I get out of this? So you know it's the Lord whenever there's something that takes place. And specifically, I was praying a few weeks ago, y'all, and um, I just heard the Lord as clearly as I'm standing here tell me, that the person that's about to come up here and give this message was supposed to on this day for this exact message. Because we're going through the miracles of John and this particular miracle in John specifically was hurt. But I need y'all to hear this from my heart. I love this person. This woman is a friend of ours. This lady is an amazing person. And she, listen, don't miss this. I need y'all to get this. And she's very talented at communicating. And I had never even thought about her coming up here. Now, that's not a knock on her. I've heard her speak, and she's really good. But I want y'all to know that when God sets it apart, it's going to be better than what my plans would have been. And so this is the deal with this. The things that I look for are not how talented is the person, but do they have something on them? Do they have the Holy Spirit's work in them, and do they have something on their lives? And this person absolutely does. But I want you to know it's bigger than that. When I'm praying in the morning and God specifically gives me a name and says, she's supposed to teach and give her testimony about how God walked her through, that means this, that I could teach this message, but she's anointed to teach this message because, watch this, I could teach you what we're supposed to do, but she's walked through it. So I don't know about y'all, but if someone's been in those shoes, I'm more apt to listen to it and to receive something from it. So... This is a close friend of mine. This is a person I love, and she's one of ours. And she is a woman of God, and she's got a word for you today. So will y'all do me the honor of doing what we do every time someone comes in and speaks, and specifically when it's one of our own, and welcome Miss Dolores Thomas to the stage right now. Come on. I'm excited. Go ahead and bring it. Good morning. Good morning. I'm so excited to be here this morning. Um, at first, I'm going to tell you, I have to be honest. I was watching the game yesterday, South Carolina, and remember the last, um, what, the last 11 seconds of the game? They had put the camera on the kicker, and he looked as if he was so afraid to kick that ball and miss that ball and it not go... <laughs> Through, and I thought like, oh my God, I feel like the kicker at the South Carolina game at the last <laughs> 11 seconds of the game. But I'm so grateful, and I'm grateful to Pastor Mark and Leah, because like he said, we're friends. Man, he, my, my sons, when they were young, was in his youth ministry. And God has kept us connected. And what I love is, is that he loved me. He loved me, regardless of all of my flaws, because sometimes, yeah, you might question some things, but <laughs> he loves me. 
and they have encouraged me and pushed me and they build me up when I fall down. And, and man, that is just so genuine. And so I love you guys so much and thank you so much. So I was talking with my husband on Friday and before I say this, let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time in you. Father, now I ask that I decrease and you increase in me. Father, let every word that come forth come from your throne. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. I was talking to my husband on Friday on his way home from work. Um, I hadn't been feeling well, and so I was telling him, I was like, God, I've just been really nervous, and for me, anytime there's any stress, it makes me sicker. And so I said, I've just been really, really nervous, and I just don't know what to do. I don't know, like, why God would do this to me. And so I just feel like lately, everything that he has called me to do. Nope, you got it. Oh, did it fall off? I didn't. Thank you. I was just a talking. <laughs> but I felt like I said, everything that he calls me to do lately has felt like such a challenge. I'm taking a biblical studies class, and so I remember the instructor said, he says, this class is going to teach you how to think out of the box. Well, after the first two classes, I was questioning if I was even thinking inside the box, because I'm like, you know, really, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I've been in, a, in a, a small group class, and so in the small group class, it has really caused me to evaluate me. Oh, man, I realize some of the things that I do just ain't right. Wasn't quite like I didn't know. I just kind of feel a little bit more convicted now that I've seen it in the small group class. And so that's been challenging. And then, you know, I have my little grandbaby that I chase around the house every single day, and God knows she's challenging. And so I said, Lord, everything that you called me to do. And then even being up here this morning, it was challenging because I knew that I haven't felt well, but I knew that this was a call from God. And so, and I was concerned, like, God, how am I going to be able to study like I need to? And how am I going to be able to prep and prepare? Because, you know, I don't want to get up there and look crazy for the first time. And then every time I go to church, people are going to be looking and whispering. And I don't want that. <laughs> and so, but I did. And so, and this is why it's such a huge challenge for me. About maybe 12 years ago, even before that, I had been sick for a while. I've really been sick throughout my childhood. And doctors have had a hard time trying to diagnose me. And so um, about maybe 12 years ago, after we moved up here, I became really ill. And so I began to struggle with my legs. I would, my legs would just hurt all the time. I would be in pain all night long. And uh, my husband, he would just rub, and we would take medicines, and the doctors would prescribe pain medicines, and nothing worked. And then my arms and my hands began to bother me, and I would begin to drop things, and it was hard moving my fingers. And they were sending me from one doctor to the next. And during that time when we had first moved here, my husband worked for um, a company and he was temp. He wasn't permanent yet. And so we really didn't have insurance. So we had to go through a place that would go by your income. And so you had to take whatever doctors that they could provide for you. And they did, they really, they did a great job. They really worked hard to try to, um, to see what was going on inside of my body. It got to where I started falling and I was stumbling all the time and we just couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I think what really alerted us that something was wrong was one Sunday morning we was getting ready for church and I was trying to cut some frozen sausages and I cut the top of my pinky finger off and I didn't know it. And so I figured like that might be a problem because I think you're supposed to be able to tell <laughs> if that happens. So we had to go while they stitch and glue it on up and so we was like, okay, we really have got to get some answers here. So um, after maybe about six, seven, eight months, um, after sending me to a neurologist and a rheumatologist, they both came back and sat me down with the, um, with the regular doctor that I was seeing. And they told me that they believed that I had fibromyalgia and chronic fatigue syndrome. But the neurologist also came back and said that he believed that I had signs that mimicked multiple sclerosis. 
And so immediately I began to walk around looking like CVS with these bags of medicines. And so I was being treated and I was in physical therapy. And one morning I just woke up and literally couldn't, my legs were so weak I couldn't stand on my legs. And so I went from walking into my husband either carrying me and if we were heading out somewhere, if it was a distance, he would have to put me in the wheelchair um, or we would use the walker, the cane, it just depends, depending on that day. And so I have to tell you, it was hard because if you know me, I was really a pretty active person. I was the kind of mom who'd get in the yard and play football and I'd slam my son and feel like, hey, I won, you know, or, you know, I'd try anything. And if I lived, we did good. Let's try it again. And so I wondered where my youngest son get that from, but now I know. (laughs) And so it was just a long journey. But one day it became really too hard for me because I just couldn't do it anymore. It was taking a toll on me. It was taking a toll on our finances. It was taking a toll on our home. It was taking a toll on our marriage. It it was wreaking havoc. And so I remember we went home for one Christmas holiday. And while we were there, my husband had placed me in the bed. And so I told God, I said, God, I'm just tired. I don't want to do this anymore. Really, seriously, this is what life is going to be like. Then I'd just rather not live it. Because I knew, I knew that God had called me to minister. I've known since I was a little girl. And so I knew that. But how was I going to minister like that? God, how am I going to be a good mom when I can't even get up out of a chair or I can't really go to my kids' games like I want to or, or be that parent that I want to be involved in the school? So I would just rather not be here than to be here and be like this. So I laid in the bed. My husband laid me in the bed. And so because I really wanted to be appropriate when the Lord came and got me, I put my arms across my chest. This is a true story. I put my arms across my chest and I began to breathe slowly because, you know, I just figured that he'd just kind of just take me on out gently and then I'd go home and be with the Lord. Well, I woke up the next morning and I was mad. Like, why did you leave me here? Like, why would you leave me here to go through this? Because I know in my mind all the things that I'm capable of doing, but my body won't agree. So why leave me here? And it just seemed like everywhere I went from that point on, everyone kept saying, but you know, God has a purpose for you. God has a purpose for you. There's a purpose for your pain. There's a purpose for your struggle. I'm like, well, really, I'm glad you know, because he hadn't informed me of what that is. And so I shared that with you to say this, is that no matter what it is you're going through, yours may not be physical, because that's my, that was my condition. Your condition may be something different. It may be a struggle in your marriage. It could be struggling your finances with your children. Whatever your condition is, that's your condition. That's hard for you. It's difficult for you. And mine is no greater than yours or any less. And so let's look at the man here in John chapter 5 at the pool of Bethesda. And chapter 5, verse 2, it says, Now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, in, in Aramaic is called Bethesda, which have five roof colonnades. And these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. So I want you to kind of imagine this with me, because I looked it up um, online, because Pastor Market showed me a picture, so I went and I looked it up online to kind of see what the colonnades look like. They're also called porticos, so maybe you're more familiar with that word. To me, it's just huge porches, just amazingly huge porches. And so it's like four of them surrounding it encircles the pool of Bethesda. And then there's a fifth colonnade, and it kind of separates the upper tier from the lower tier. And so the pool of Bethesda is in the center of it. You can enter in through the sheep gate, and the sheep gate is where the sheep market is, so they do their buying and selling there. They bring their sheep there and lead them through up to the temple for sacrifice. So you got people who are living day-to-day lives. Lives are going on. They are working. They're exchanging. They're going to the temple. They're sacrificing sheep. 
But then here it is in these protocols. It says that there are people who are sick. It's a multitude. There are many people who are lining there and they're sick underneath these protocols because it provided shelter from the weather and from the sun. And so they all would gather there and they would lay there. They would place their mats and they would lay there. And they were all waiting for the very same thing. The very same thing, which was the moving of the water. So John said that there were three kinds of people there. There were people there who were blind. And that word blind not only means physically blind, but it means mentally blind. Which means that they cannot discern or they can't even understand or perceive what is good for them. And then you have those who were lame. And that word lame means that either they've had an injury or either there's a disease and it affects their foot or their leg. So they may limp. They may hop. And then you have the, those who are paralyzed. But I really like the word that the King James used better than the word paralyzed because when I thought of the word paralyzed, I was thinking as if they can't move at all. But the King James says withered. And so that word withered means that they have limbs that are not getting the proper juices that it needs. And so it's not flowing like it needs to. And because it's not flowing, that means that that particular limb is shrinking up and it's, it's withering away, it's wasting away. And so all of these people are gathered in one place waiting for the same thing. In verse 3 and 4, they're waiting for the moving of the water. They're waiting for the angel to come down to stir up the water. Because verse 4 says that when the angel stirs the water, the first one into the pool is healed. Different circumstances, but circumstances nonetheless. Different problems, but problems nonetheless. I thought like, man, that sounds like church, right? We all gather together in this one place and we all have different circumstances and we're all waiting on that something. Because God, we want to hear that something that's going to make a difference in our life. And so he goes on and he says in verse 5, I believe. Yes, verse 5, he says, One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? That always puzzled me because I thought like, well, why would Jesus ask him that? Because this man has been sick for 38, 38 years. He's been sick. And Jesus sees this man. And out of all of the people that's lying there under those porticos, Jesus focuses on this one man. And he says, do you want to be healed? Because to me, the obvious answer is yes. Because who raises their hand and say no? Right. Uh, you know what? I think I'm going to hold on to this and see what the end's going to be. I just, who would say no? And so I'm like, well, why would you ask this question? So I kept going back and reading it over and over and over again. And Jesus saw the man and he had known that he had been there a long time and I got it. He had been sick for 38 years, but he had been at the porticos for a long time. So year after year after year after year, he had seen the angels come and stir up the water and he had seen people go in and receive their healing year after year. And yet he was still stuck in the same place. Like, why are you still here? Because you've had opportunities to receive your healing. So why are you still here? And the question didn't make sense. Because if you've been here this long and you've been waiting this long, I'm thinking like, don't you have a plan? 
Because like in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, like if I miss the first year of the stirring of the angels, you better believe by year two, I got a plan. All right, so this is what I'm going to do. I know my leg bad, so I'm going to take about three hops today, and then I'm going to lay on my mat, and I'm going to rest for a while. And then on Tuesday, I'm going to get up, and I'm going to roll about three or four times. If I get tired, I'm going to lay on my mat, and I'm going to rest for a while. And I'm going to hop, and I'm going to roll, and I'm going to crawl till I can make it at least to the edge of the pool so that when the angels stir up the water, all I have to do is roll in. But I can promise you I'm not going to let you beat me in the pool. That's how I was thinking. You're not going to beat me to the pool. Listen, if the voice of the Lord came down right now and said, Dolores, I'm getting ready to send the angel of the Lord to come down and stir up the water here in this baptismal and the first one in is going to be healed. Y'all, I'll go in there with a swan dive. i get a 10 in the Olympics. But I'd be every one of you in there with these heels on. I promise you, you wouldn't beat me to the pool. At least that's what I thought. Because that's what we would like to think. Because when we look at the man, we will say, my God, come on, he must not have really wanted it. What was wrong with him? Because if it was me, this is what I'd do. And so I thought the message was going to go a different way until the other night when I was lying in the bed not feeling well. And the Lord said, well, why are you stuck? Why, why are you still in the same place? Why? So then in verse 6, Excuse me, verse 7, it says that the sick man answered and he said, I have no one to put me into the pool and when the water is stirred up and while I am going, another steps down before me. So this sick man speaks and I think that's good because I think that's a message because sometimes we let the sick man speak. (laughs) The sick man's mind is not right, so he'll say anything. You can't trust the sick man's mind. So I thought about the next time that I act up and it's not right and my husband's looking at me, I'm going to say, it was the sick man, it was the sick man, it wasn't me. I'm sorry. Praise, pray for me, honey. Pray for me. But, but the sick man answered, and this is what he said. Because he didn't even say yes. Because if Jesus asked me, you want to be healed? Listen, you don't even have to ask. You don't need my permission. Just come on down and just do what you do. Let me just wake up and it's just over. But the man didn't even answer the question. He didn't even say yes or no. He says, you know what, Jesus? I don't have no one to come and put me in the pool. I don't have no one to help me. And, and every time I try to get to the pool, I start working my way towards the pool. Somebody cuts in front of me. They're cutting the line, Jesus, and they're getting in front of me, and they're getting in the water, and they're getting the healing. And that's why I'm stuck, because they are not doing what they ought to be doing to try to help me to receive my healing. And so I keep depending on they. And I'm focused on day. Because see, for years, I thought that he was focusing on the pool, but in actuality, he wasn't. He was focused on his sickness, and he was focused on what they were doing, and he was never focused on what he was doing. And so they wouldn't help me. And I thought, like, oh, my God, okay, so now I'm really convicted. Because, see, that's been my last maybe two years. I stepped down for a while from ministry because I kept saying, well, Lord God, if you would just heal me then I could really do ministry like I'm supposed to because I'm tired and I don't feel good. And what happens if I'm sick and I can't get up that morning? And, 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 and some of the things that happens when I'm really, really sick is, is that it's hard for me to think and it's hard for me to focus. And so I'll stutter really bad or for the life of me, just simple common words I can't think of. And so I'll try so hard, and especially if I'm in public, then I'm embarrassed because I think, well, people must think something is really wrong with me because I can't even think of a simple word or I just stuttered so bad that it didn't even make sense. Or I get agitated and aggravated because you're asking me a simple question, but I honestly can't muster up an answer. And so then anxiety sets in and then I'm frustrated and now I'm angry. 
you know, or I wake up with these terrible migraines or these terrible headaches just the last couple of days because literally when I said I felt like the kicker before I ever saw the kicker, I did. And so even just this morning, just the stress of thinking like, oh my God, Lord God, I, don't let me get up there and I look crazy, Lord, and don't let me fall in these shoes. Don't let me do it. And my husband, he can tell you, I was in the, in the restroom trying to get ready and spasms. I have really bad spasms whenever I'm really stressed. And so I can get, I get spasms in my chest and spasms in my back. And so the spasms was going across my back. And so I'm in the restroom because I can't scream because the spasm is so bad. And I'm saying, help, help me, please help me. And he has to come and try to rub the spasms and stretch me to get the spasms out of my back. And, and I would say, but God, if you would heal me, then I could do this. If you would heal me, I'd do more. I'd do more. I'm saying the same thing that the, the sick man was saying. Here are my excuses for why I'm not doing the things that you've called me to do. And so Jesus in verse 8, he says, Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed, and walk. So Jesus gives him three instructions to get up, take up your bed, and walk. Now remember in verse 2, in verse 3, it says that there were three kinds of people at the porticos. There were those who were blind, there were those who were lame, and those who were withered. So the first thing he says is get up. That word get up means more than arise. It means to gather your faculties, which means Jesus was saying your mind is not right. Your thinking is what has you here. This is why you're here because you're not thinking correctly. So we're going to deal with your mind first. Because as a man thinketh in his heart, that's what he is. And if you think like a sick man, you're going to be a sick man. So you got to think yourself well. You got to know that you're healed. See, I'm convinced that I'm healed. You can, the doctors can tell me what they want to tell me. You, that's, your, that's your job. That's what you do. You went to college for it. Praise God. You get paid. But I believe the report of the Lord. And the thing that God has taught me is, is that there are things in life that are real and there are things in life that are true. And you've got to cause your real to line up with what is true. And I will not let real become the thing that defined me. It is real that I live with this sickness. It's real that I live with the disease. But the Bible says in truth that by his stripes, I'm healed. I choose truth. I choose truth. I, I, I choose truth. God can't lie. He can't lie. He's the great physician. So if anyone can heal me, he can. It's, it's real that it affects finances sometimes. If you have a loved one and they are sick, you know what the financial cost is. You know how hard it is on your finances. But truth says that my God supplies all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He never said it was by my husband. He never said it was by his job. None of that. It was all by Christ. So you've got to cause your real to line up with truth. You've got to choose what you're going to believe. So we have to get our mind right. And that's why Romans 12 and 2 tell us that we're not to have the mind of this world. But it's got to be transformed, which means it's got to be changed. Pastor Mark said it on last week that God didn't come to fix it. He came to replace it. So he wants to replace your mind so that you can think like him. Because when you do, then you can take what's real and weigh it up against what's truth. And then you'll know what God really wants for you. And then choose what God wants for you. So the first thing he did was deal with his mind because he was saying that you're blind. You're mentally and spiritually blind. The second thing that he tells this man, he says, take up your bed. You need to stand up on your feet. You've been laying here in this place for too long. You were never supposed to make this place your home. You was coming here to receive a healing, but you parked right here and you laid on this mat and you didn't go any further. You made absolutely no progress. You stayed right here in your condition. So it's time for you to stand up on your feet. 
Get up from where you're at. So God spoke to the lame man on the inside of him. You've allowed your infirmity to define you, but that's not who you are. I may have a disease, but I'm not the disease. So when I get up every day, I make a decision every day. Every day. My husband can tell you, the moment that I wake up, I know that I'm sick. Because my head is hurting, and my fingers are hurting, and my legs are hurting. And when I go to put my feet down on the floor, it hurts. When I wear these heels, it hurts. But I'm telling you, the enemy might take a lot of things, but he won't take my high heel shoes. I told him, I said, I'm not doing it. I'm not. I told him, I told my son today, he was, I was talking with my youngest son, and he said, well, mama, you probably shouldn't wear your heels because you don't want your legs to hurt. I said, boy, I'm going out like Prince. I'm wearing my shoes to the end. <laughs> you ain't taking my high heel shoes. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can have a lot of things, but you can't have that. <laughs> you can't. So Jesus spoke to the lame man, and he says, you got to stand up on your feet. And then the third thing he told him was to walk. And that word walk means to make progress, to make one's way. You can't stay here. You got to walk. You got to move. You got to go. I got a call for you. There's an assignment on your life, and you can't do it in this place. So it's time for you to get up and walk because you've been laying her on this mat withering away day after day after day after day because you hadn't been receiving the thing that you need. And you were looking to the water and you was looking at the people and you was looking at all you didn't have, but I'm the well that won't run dry. I am the water of life. And if you drink from me, every limb in your body will get what it needs and you won't wither away. But you've been laying here withering away because you've been needing me all alone. So he spoke to the withered man. And then I understood, well, why God picked the one man? Because he had been there a long time, and he was an example of all of them that were there. Because he had every problem that they all had. But it all started right here in his mind. Because you cannot go any further than your mind. If you can't think it, if you can't believe it, you'll never do it. You'll never do it. My husband can tell you, I had a doctor that told me that I lived in La La Land, and until I accepted my diagnosis, that I was going to struggle. So you're right. I do live in La La Land. I'm not going to accept this diagnosis. I'm going to get a new doctor, and I promise you I'm not going to struggle. I'm not. I, I knew what I was living with, and I knew what I was facing, but I knew that I got a God who can heal me. And so every day when I wake up, I'm healed. I'm healed. I don't let it tell me. I tell it. I'm healed. I made that decision every day that I just trust God and I believe God in my life for that. Then he goes on in verse 9 and he says, And at once the man was healed, and he took up his bed and he walked, and it was the Sabbath. In verse 10 and 11, he said, So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath, and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who was healed, the man who healed me, the man said to me, take up your bed and walk. Now, I'm not going to stay on that long, but it, I just think that it's ironic that religious people can see him taking up the bed and walking, but they didn't see him laying out there all those years. You didn't reach out to him not one time. You saw him laying there and nobody tried to help him get in the pool. Nobody asked what did he need. No one tried to encourage him. You had to know he didn't have a right mind. Who would go out there and lay all them years? And you never helped him when he was in the porticos. But the moment you saw that he didn't got up from his condition, now you want to address him because he ain't do it the way that you say he ought to do it. See, I don't live like that. When I was sick, my husband, when I, when I first got sick, my husband took me home. And, and I knew of someone who had a similar disease. And so I went to talk with them because I just felt so discouraged. I really didn't know what to do. 
And so when I went to this person and I was telling them about it, she told me, she said, hush, right there. You just be quiet because you're claiming it. You're claiming it and you're going to always be sick because you're claiming it. I said, I'm not claiming anything. It is what it is, but I believe God, but I just want to know how you do it every day. Tell me how you walk in faith with it because I don't really know right now and I'm trying to figure this thing out because I do believe God, but I wake up in tears and you don't seem to wake up in tears, so I just want to know what you know. Well, if you're going to come to me and talk about it, then that just means that we're not believing God and so therefore you're not going to receive your healing. I said, well, thank you. You're right. I'm going to talk to somebody who is just not as spiritual as I am because I just. <laughs> All I wanted was for her to reach out and say, you know what, baby, we're going to pray. We're going to believe God. We're going we're gonna to speak these scriptures over your body. You're going to get up and make a decision every day that you trust God, you believe God, you believe his word, and that he's going to heal you. We be so spiritual. We're so spiritual in our mind that we can't help people. And you think that what you're going through is worse than what they're going through. And so you go about your daily lives and you see them lying there and you see that they need help, but because they don't look like you and they don't act like you and they don't talk like you and they don't dress like you, you walk past them as if they're not important, but they are God's children. And so the thing that God has taught me through this here whole process is how to have compassion for people no matter what they're going through. And how we can sit down and we can talk. And before the end of the conversation, we both going to go out. And we're going to trust God even the more. And we're going to stand together. The Bible says that the man was healed. He was healed that very moment. In verse um, 12 and 13, it says that they asked him, who is the man that said, take up your bed? And now the man had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. And there was a crowd in the place. And verse 14 says, afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, see, you are well, sin no more, then nothing worse will happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him. So when the man first received Christ, he didn't even know, when the man first received his healing, he didn't even know who had healed him. He didn't even know who Christ was. He goes to the temple and they ask him, who gave you these instructions to break the law? He says, well, I don't really know. It was the man who healed me. Then Jesus sees this man in the temple. He went to church after he was healed. And he goes to him and he says, listen, sin no more. Because if you thought it was difficult before, after God has revealed to you who he is and what he can do, you're really going to struggle if you walk away from this. And so when you look at that word and it says sin no more, it's the same thing as when Paul says, don't miss the mark. I press towards the mark of the high call of Jesus Christ. That just, just repentance right here, that's a change in the mind, but it don't stop with, I'm, Lord, I'm going to choose you to be my Savior. But now I got to walk it out with you every single day. I got to walk it out with you because the Bible says that he wished above all that we would prosper and be in good health. And that word prosper is to understand Understand what God is saying and be in good health, even as our soul prospers. So as we grow in him, our body will line up with our mind. So as I grow in here, it don't be, it's not as hard to live with this anymore. Listen, do I believe and I know that Christ is going to heal me? Absolutely. But can I live with this if I had to? I sure can because my mind is healed. Because see, my body don't even have to work from the neck down. If my mind is healed, there is nothing that I can't do. There is nothing because progression is not from my feet. It's from here. And that's how I move forward. So I don't know what your condition is today. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're facing today. But I know that we all have something that's standing before us and it's intimidating and it's hard. And I want to tell you that there's a God that loves you so much that right where you are, 
He want to meet you there. And he wants to heal you. And he wants to start with how you think. He wants to absolutely transform your mind. So today, if you hear, as we bow our heads and we close our eyes, if you don't know the Lord today, if you know that like the man that was in the porticos, that if Jesus walked up to you right now, that you wouldn't recognize him, and you know that you need him today, if you would just raise your hand, we just want to pray for you. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not asking you to come up front if you don't want to. But if you just want someone to pray for you today, we want to be there to pray for you. Because I'm telling you, it was the greatest thing that I ever did. Because if I had not given my life to God, I know that I would not be standing here because I would have mentally have broken down. I wouldn't have made it. And maybe, maybe you know the Lord. But maybe you've been facing crises and circumstances, one thing after the next. Every time you think that you've overcome one thing, then you're faced with one, month, one more thing. Something else stands before you like a Goliath. It's a giant right there in front of you. And you're saying, God, I'm just so tired. I've been going through this for so long. And so you've parked there in that place. Whether it's struggles, whether it's hurt, whether it's pain, whether it came from childhood, whatever it comes from, you've parked there in that place and you in your mind could not see yourself going past that. God is here to tell you today that you can get up, pick up your bed, and you can walk. And if that is you and you just, you know that you need God today and you need him to move in your life, if you would just raise your hand, because I know I do. I do. We see you. Praise God. We see you. We see you. God is moving. I'm telling you, he's moving. He's going to do it. We just got to trust him and believe. We just got to trust him and believe that he is in control. He is definitely in control and he loves you. And I'm telling you right now, if you would just give your mind to him and let him give you direction, he'll change your life. I saw this this morning on my calendar as I was walking out, and it says, you are blessed because you belong to God. He chose you. He shaped you, and he prepared you to make a difference in this world. Everything that you're going through is to shape you and to make you into who God has called you to be. I'm better for having gone through this. I'm stronger for having gone through this. I love you this morning. You'll be blessed. Thank you. Thank you. So, y'all can remain standing. I wasn't planning on coming up until we transition into baptism. And if you're going to get baptized right now, I'm going to ask you to just step out as I'm talking because uh, you can get changed or get ready during this last song. But I, I just feel the Holy Spirit moving in some people right now. And I want you to have an opportunity to move because this is what I just believe I heard the Lord say. I don't need to add anything to that message, y'all, because I could preach the verses. But I just want you to know that the one thing that I love about Dolores more than anything else is not her talent, and she's gifted to teach the Bible, to, to, to communicate, to do, but that she walked this. Because it's real easy to say, just, just agree in your mind, you're about, she did it. I believe that one of the greatest things that you can do is to find an example. Like Paul said, if you're not ready to do it, just watch me, I'll do it in front of you. There's some people in this room that need to be set free today. I don't know, I don't know if, it's, if it's an addiction. I don't know what it is in your life. But I'm telling you, I just believe that you're supposed to move right now. I, I believe that, that those of you that are having things in your body, 
those are having things in your mind, those are having things in your life, that your marriage is on the rocks, whatever it is. I just believe that you're supposed to have an opportunity as we sing this amazing song. And our prayer team will come and they'll just lay hands on you. Dolores will be one of them. And we got people along the front and we'll just lay hands on you. And if you just said, I want to receive Jesus as your Savior, I want you to take one of their hands and say, I just did that. But y'all, I believe that this is how brokenness takes place. This is how a change takes place is when God anoints someone to speak it. And then you receive it and you change. And so if you will say in your mind, I'm receiving this and now I'm not going to stay. I'm going I'm to get, pick up my mat and I'm going to walk. I'm not, I'm not going to stay where I was. I'm ready to do this thing right now. I just want you to move right now. I believe the Holy Spirit's moving in this place. And if he's moving in you, you move right now. Jesus, we love you. And we thank you for what you did. God, I thank you for that word that you just gave us. And Lord, I receive it. I know that I've been stuck so many times in my life and I've always had other people that I've blamed or I've always hoped that you'd touch me and someone else got what I was supposed to get. God, that's never the case. It's always that I'm stuck in my mind because I look at my circumstances and I don't realize you've already done it, God, but I've got to receive what you've done in Jesus' name. And so, Lord, we receive that today with open arms and we move in your presence. God, whoever it is that you're stirring in their heart, give them the boldness to just step out and say, God, I'm ready to lay it down. I'm ready to get up and walk. I'm ready to pick my mat up. I will not be stuck anymore. I will believe everything that you've said about me, and I will trust in your name and your name alone. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray all these things. Amen.